Hello, this is Technology Corner for the week of October 15th, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. First up this morning, the danger of phishing. You visit a rogue website and lots of nasty things can happen to your computer. Maybe you visited a free porn site or you're gambling with free money. The website you go to gives you a little something extra. You're otherwise occupied. The website runs through a series of tests to see what kind of operating system you have, what patches are in place, what patches aren't in place, and what it can do to you. When it finds one, it installs something you don't want. That's how the bad guys take control of lots of computers all around the globe. All right, most people know about that kind of problem. But this doesn't always happen in those expected bad places. Social networking sites can be used to serve malware, too. So can some of those nasty typo squatter sites. What's a typo squatter site? That's one of the places that a person has registered a domain name that's a lot like a real domain name. Take, for example, Microsoft, M-I-C-R-O-S-O-F-T. I could go out, if it hasn't already been registered, and register M-I-C-O-R-S-O-F-T, Microsoft. Two letters transposed. Somebody mistypes Microsoft. They end up at my site, not Microsoft's. I don't know if that site exists. I'm not about to check. And I'm not about to check because I'm not sure what might happen to my computer. The computer is up to date, fully patched. Every protective measure I know is in place. But I'm still not going to visit a site that could be hazardous. I spoke with Jess Kalish of IS3, a company that makes an application called the Zillabar. It's a free application. And some other applications designed to protect computers from the junk that you find out on the Internet. Computer hacking, it's it's not a game anymore. It's a persistent, uh, organized effort by criminals who make billions of dollars annually stealing identities and personal data. So it's, it's, uh, I'll tell you how bad it is. Um, It's going to cost uh, the U.S. consumers uh, $53 billion dollars in 2006 before the year is over. Is this organized crime? Is it, uh, should I say, domestic uh, crime, or is it people overseas, or both? A little bit of both. Uh, Most phishing sites are still uh, in this country, um, but a lot of it comes from overseas. Uh, It comes from Russia, China, Korea, and uh, the the, uh, former uh, Soviet uh, socialist republics. Um, it, it comes from all over. It is so profitable that, uh, that people are, are jumping on the bandwagon. When these messages first started appearing a couple of years ago, it was really clear that they were forgeries. But the people who make them have obviously improved a lot since then. My recommendation uh, has been, generally, that you get a message that, uh, that claims to come from your bank or claims to come from PayPal or claims to come from any other organization that says that you do business with them, that you just don't click on a link in the email, that if you think there's any legitimacy to it at all, you go to the website directly. Are there any telltale signs that people could look at in, in these messages to identify them conclusively as a phishing message? There are a number of, of ways of determining if it's a phishing site. Number one, 
there are usually egregious errors of spelling or grammar. Uh, they don't really pay much attention to that. And the reader would have to look carefully to, to find grammatical errors. You can also look at the address bar. Does it say HTTPS, indicating a secure site? And if, if in fact, it does say HTTPS, can you click on it and highlight it? Because now what they're doing is essentially putting a, a, a bitmap over the address bar so it looks like it's a legitimate address, whereas it's not. So you need to look at that. You need to see if it highlights. You can look at the little icon in the lower right corner of the, tra of the uh, system tray and click on that link to see the certification. There are all kinds of things you can do to determine if it's a phishing site. However, the weak link is the consumer. And where, where people are, are online, they, they might be IMing a friend and doing a task or working. They're, they're doing five different things at one time, and most people are not focused enough to actually determine if this is a phishing site. So it's helpful to have some kind of software that, that alerts you if you're going to a known or potentially malicious site, and that's what our products do. One of the things that I said earlier is that I told people not to click on links in an, in an email message. And for a time, that was a pretty good suggestion, but I'm not so sure that that's even safe anymore, simply because people have developed ways of, of farming. You go to what you think is your bank's website, but you actually end up somewhere else. And again, Correct. You're gonna, you can look at all of these telltale signs on your browser but as you said, a lot of people don't do that. So let's talk about the products and services you offer as a defense against all this. We offer, a, a, actually, it's a free product, and you can download it from our website. It's called the Zilla Bar, and it is an anti-phishing technology. And uh, our website is uh, www.is3.com, and then just go to the Zilla Bar section, and you can see what it is. Um, of course, how we make money is is trying to sell other products as well. But the Zilla Bar uses two techniques. One is we get downloads of the latest anti-phishing definitions every 30 minutes from the anti-phishing working group, and uh, we incorporate that into our product immediately. And two, we use heuristics. That is, we analyze the behavior and content of the given website and determine, uh, it's kind of a mathematical rules engine, we determine if in fact uh, it has, it is a potentially or known malicious site. So we block phishing attacks that way. And of course, we, we don't stop you from going there, but if you receive an alert indicating that you're going to a known or potentially malicious site and you still go there, that, that's, that's your responsibility at that point. I presume this works with Internet Explorer. Does it also work with Mozilla? And the, uh, no, it does not. Okay. We plan on supporting Mozilla at a later date, but this iteration of the product uh, currently supports uh, Internet Explorer only. Of course, that's the one that most people are still using, and it's uh, yes. the one that has uh, some security problem. Every piece of software has security problems. Absolutely. Every piece of software does. Yep, and yeah. phishing and farming are, are, are disruptive technologies. Much like, much like computers, they change the nature of business. They change how we think of things. And, and our responses uh, as a community have been based in, in sustaining technology. So here we have this, this new technology that... that 
steals, you know, uses the latest kinds of social and technical engineering to get information from you. And, and what do most institutions do? Your bank sends you a little pamphlet that says, here's how you protect yourself against phishing. Or they send you an email notice saying that you might be fished. And, and the fishers are getting more and more sophisticated, and the response has not been particularly sophisticated. Spear phishing, in particular, is uh, they're getting a 19% response. Spear phishing is when criminals infer from your browsing history uh, something about you, for example, the bank with which you do business. So let's say, for example, uh, Bill, they, they, they have a keylogger or spyware of some kind on your machine, and I hope this doesn't happen, and they see that you do business with uh, uh, the Blinn Bank. So they send you a, um, a phishing email that says, Dear Mr. Blinn, and it looks like the Blinn Bank, which is the bank with which you do business. Uh, you're much more likely to respond to that email than you would to, say, Chase Bank if you do not have an account with Chase Bank or it says, Dear User. That is getting a lot more sophisticated because that's, of course, one of the things that PayPal points out in, in their messages to people is that we will always use your name in an email if it's from us. So if the, if the bad guys are able to do this, that's a major step forward for them. Yeah, the bad guys are doing this, and they are also replicating the sites better than they ever have. They are eluding, you know, picture identifications and, and, and things like that. And again, with, a, a, let's say, a small regional bank or credit union, for example, and 92% of the phishing sites uh, replicate those of financial institutions. So let's say, for example, you're a member of the University of Kentucky Credit Union or the Chief Pontiac Credit Union. These are little tiny banks and they have a lot of member loyalty, much more so than a, than a huge uh, uh, multinational bank. And the, the member or the customer's loyalty really works against them because this is your credit union or your bank, and it's, it's a small little bank, and you, you think it's a legitimate email, so you respond to it, especially if it has your name on it. It seems like getting a handle on this has to be a, a, a big priority for a lot of people because as this continues... We just see confidence in doing business on the Internet eroding. Confidence in Internet technology, yes, it is eroding, um, but there are products coming out very soon that will address some of these threats. But for now, the, the, some of the best things you can do is get a really good anti-spyware application because thieves can read your, your uh, browsing history. They can, they can learn all about you if they've installed a keylogger on your system. They can hijack your home page so you think you're searching uh, with your preferred search engine when you're actually not and you're getting their results. There, there are all kinds of things that, that are, are uh, emerging and our, our company fights them. We're the good guys. You can't be too careful. And I, I think that ultimately the responsibility is with the end user. You know, we can present you with alerts. Don't go to that free porn site. And if you insist upon going there anyway, you are going to get spyware on your machine, period. Gambling, online gambling sites, free pornography sites, 
uh, free gaming sites, anytime somebody is offering you something free, there's a hook. They used to say there is no such thing as a free lunch. There isn't any such thing. Now, we're offering a free toolbar, this Arzilla bar, but of course it is our hope that you will look at other products that we have to offer and buy them. But of course you are free to keep the Zilla bar as long as you like. But really when people are offering you particularly free uh, currency on gambling sites or the the, the worst offender is free pornography because they want to keep you on that site as long as possible. And while you're there, they are loading up your machine with spyware. And some of the newer spyware, particularly the polymorphic and meta- metamorphic spyware, is very difficult to remove. So ultimately, we need to stop thinking about our computers as appliances. You know, we we, we look at now we look at computers the same way we look at refrigerators. We want to plug it in and use it, and we expect it to function. We don't need to update it. We don't need to update the software on our refrigerators, or we don't need to maintain it in any way. Just keep it clean. And uh, that's how we look at uh, uh, computers, and we need to stop doing that. Uh, in, in a sophisticated world, we need to become sophisticated consumers of online services. That's Jess Kalish of IS3, the company that makes Zillabar. I gave Zillabar a test run, supposed to be effective against phishing, but that's all. IS3's goal, of course, is for you to try and then buy some of their other applications, such as StopZilla, which they say includes real-time protection against spyware, malicious browser helper objects, keyloggers, Trojans and installed backdoor access to your computer, browser homepage hijackers, and more. Unfortunately, in practice, I found that Zillabar wasn't very effective against phishing. I installed it in Internet Explorer 7, waited for a phishing email to arrive, took about five minutes for that to happen, and when I followed the link to what I expected to be a phishing page, the address bar turned red, and there was a warning adjacent to the address bar. Well, that wasn't the Zilla bar, that was Microsoft. In Internet Explorer 7, anti-phishing capabilities are built in. Microsoft interpreted the request, and I was warned not to proceed. Zone Alarm got into the act, too, so I turned off Zone Alarm's anti-phishing filter. I disabled Microsoft's anti-phishing filter and tried it again. This time, no warning. Zillabar provided no warning at all. Took me right to the site. The site displayed a fake VeriSign emblem and asked for enough information to gain access to a banking account. Well, so far I've been unable to follow up with IS3 to determine what the problem is. Might be a problem with Internet Explorer 7, because it was, of course, written for Internet Explorer 6. 7 is still in beta. Or I may have misunderstood how it's supposed to work. Despite asking several times for clarification, I have received none. So at this point, the Zilla bar gets zero cats. I really like the idea, but I certainly can't recommend it. The installation process for Zillabar turned out to be interesting. Interesting in not a good way, and it wasn't the fault of IS3, the makers of the Zillabar. Sometimes protective software can get in its own way. It took probably 15 or 20 minutes for me to figure out what the problem was, a little longer than it might have normally because I was grabbing screenshots along the way to illustrate the article on the website. By the way, the website is www.techbiter.com. 
Getting the download and getting the program installed turned out to be a little more complex than usual. My preferred browser is Firefox, so that's what I tried first, and it seemed not to want to work at all for the website. Firefox and IE7 include some security features, so I thought I'd run afoul of perhaps one of those. I could see the link for downloading the application, so I followed that to the download page. Still no graphics, but I could see at that point the Zilla Bar link. All I had to do then was download the file. Internet Explorer 7 blocked the download, so I grabbed the URL, went back to Firefox. Firefox claimed to have allowed me to download the file. Running it, however, was something else. That didn't work. At this point, I'd concluded the problem isn't Internet Explorer, and it isn't Firefox. It's either a website problem or something on my end that's blocking the connection. I didn't see the obvious, which would have been to look at the firewall. But I was trying to capture images for this article at the time. So that's my excuse, and I'm sticking with it. I took a look at the router. No, nothing there. Well, I wanted to see the Zilla bar, so I tried something else. I tried connecting to the computer at my office and used Internet Explorer to connect to the IS3 site. Then I downloaded the file to the office 15 miles away, transferred the file to my local computer, and installed it. So I googled for free porn, tried taking a look at a variety of sites there. Zillabar never warned me once. So then I decided it was really time to solve the puzzle. My suspicion that a firewall was getting in the way was accurate, but I'd looked at the wrong firewall. The hardware firewall wasn't blocking, but the new version of Zone Alarm blocks phishing and other rogue sites by default. And unfortunately, Zone Alarm seems to think that StopZilla.com is a site that should be blocked. So I changed Zone Alarm's settings and specifically allowed access to StopZilla. Then I got where I wanted to go. Sometimes I think I spend more time installing protective software than I do installing or working with the applications that I bought the computer to use. Anti-spam measures also are effective or can be against phishing. A company that provides the website hosting for Technology Corner includes Spam Assassin. Now, I have not always been a fan of Spam Assassin. However, my opposition was based on seeing a Spam Assassin system that had not been set up well. Spam Assassin examines every piece of mail that arrives, passes through the system, rates it on a large number of criteria. The application can then tag messages that it considers spam. It can do it one of a couple of different ways. It can add an X header. That's something that you wouldn't see, but your email program would see. Or you can have it code suspected spam with a word in the subject line, just rewrites the subject line. That's the method I've chosen. I set the trigger point very liberally. Because I've done that, I can be certain that anything Spam Assassin marks as spam is spam. Zero false hits. Now, because of that, occasionally some spam does slip through, but it catches about 98 to 99 percent of the spam I receive and marks it so that I can delete it without even bothering to look at it. So that creates an ideal solution. Occasionally, just to see what I'm missing, I turn off the automatic deletion and examine the incoming messages to confirm that all of my assumptions are still working. I did that last on October 3rd, and if you visit the website, again, www.techbiter.com, you can take a look. Overnight, I received well over 100 messages, and overnight for me is from about 9 p.m. until 6 a.m. the following morning. 
100 messages. The vast majority have the spam marker in the subject line. I have the program color them purple. They're real easy to see that way. That leaves a series of other messages. Most of these are pretty easy to determine to be spam for one of several reasons. Either who they're from, who they're to, or the subject line. After eliminating all the spam, and remember I received over 100 messages, I had about 20 left that I wanted to see. I'm working on another program upcoming probably within the next month on spam control because the stuff is getting worse. In nerdly news, did you notice anything strange about last Friday? Oh, yeah, it was Friday the 13th. You probably noticed that. So did I. But I missed, and unless you are someone who intensely observes every date looking for a pattern, so probably did you. What did we miss? We missed that the digits that make up the date did something that hasn't happened since January 13th, 1520. What happened in 1520 and was repeated in 2006, according to Heinrich Hemme, he's a physicist at Germany's University of Aachen, is this. The individual digits of the date add up to 13. 1, 13, 1520. 1 plus 1 plus 3 plus 1 plus 5 plus 2 plus 0 is 13. 10, 13, 2006. 1 plus 0 plus 1 plus 3 plus 2 plus 0 plus 0 plus 6 equals 13. If you suffer from, and here he takes a very deep breath, paraskevidecatriophobia, and here he lets out that breath, that's the word according to WordSpy, and if you also suffer from triskaidecaphobia or tridecaphobia, depending on which dictionary you want to use, Friday would have been doubly uncomfortable for you. The first one, and I'm not going to try saying it again, is the fear of Friday the 13th. Tridecophobia, or triskaidecaphobia, is the fear of the number 13. So if you were a little on edge on Friday, now you know why. Windows users, did you download all those patches this past week? This month's Microsoft Patch Day offered a record number of patches. It covered the operating systems and Office products. Users who run Windows, use the Office suite, and also have the .NET stuff installed saw a total of 26 individual patches. 26. And almost immediately, another problem was reported. PowerPoint 2000, 2002, and 2003 are all vulnerable to an attack that security vendor Secunia considers to be highly critical. The company has one higher-level threat, but explains that highly critical is a designation that is used for remotely exploitable vulnerabilities that can lead to system compromise. In other words, somebody can take over your system from somewhere else. Successful exploitation does not normally require any interaction but, and here's why it's only highly critical and not their super critical rating, there are as yet no known exploits available at the time of the disclosure. Microsoft Program Manager Alexandra Hoft posted a warning that said, the reported proof of concept may allow an attacker to execute code on a user's machine by convincing them to open a specially crafted PowerPoint file. We are not aware of any attacks attempting to use the reported vulnerability or of customer impact at this time. Keywords, at this time. 
So here's the temporary solution, and it's one that you should use as a matter of course anyway. Don't open any untrusted office documents. That doesn't mean just making sure that a PowerPoint presentation is from somebody you know, but ensuring that the sender actually intended to send you that file and that the file was created by someone trustworthy. Caution. Thanks for listening. This has been Technology Corner for the week of October 15th, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com, and you can send email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.